Welcome to this episode of Breaking Business Barriers. Can't wait to introduce JD, also known as Josh the Blaze, the Blaze and Flame. Anyway, we've got uh, we've got host co-host Jared Ty. I consider you know we we switch the pilot chair to co-pilot chair often. JT, glad to have you on. How you doing, man? Doing all right. If I was doing any better, I'd be twins. How there you go. My I'd be gosh. happy with twins. I'm sure your wife would be happy with twins because uh, those two little boys keep you busy. <laughs> yeah, this they're is, uh, This is your host, Brent Duhame. And like I mentioned uh, on the onset, excited as always to bring another guest, allow them to share their story and inspire others. That's the really the premise, JD, of breaking business barriers. And, you know, your story will inspire others and some of which Probably you'll have no idea that you do, but given given your story, that'd be really interesting for you to be able to share. But before we do all that, Josh, where can people find you on social media? Yes, yeah, so I'm on Facebook, on Instagram, and also on Twitter. I don't have my handles in front of me. I should have prepared better, but yes, I do. I do all three of those, um, and I'll try to pull them up here while I'm sitting here doing this on the fly. So absolutely. Yeah, I'm not. All right, up. We'll uh, we'll remind everyone where they can find you. Uh, don't be surprised if you get some questions. Sure, you know, that that can happen, and and you know how how you chose your career or how you went through your path of of uh, you know not having a silver spoon firmly planted in front of you. You had to, you had to sure. carve your carve your way. All right, let's let's get into it. So, JD, tell us your story. You know, let's dial okay. let's dial it back a ways. You know, a young JD growing up, where'd you grow up? How, how was it? Tell us your story, man. Yeah. So um, originally I'm born Wait, in Texas. Oh. Wait. I'm sorry. God darn it. <laughs> My recording button didn't hit. All right. I'm oh. to <laughs> we'll just do a new. Hey, there are no redos, man. Yeah. No, my my bad on this one. It says it's recording on my end. It does. God darn it. Well, let's, keep, let's keep it raw. Let's keep hey, it raw. Let's just keep going. Yeah, let's let it fly. Like, <laughs> hey, like that's the first time that's happened. Like most of the things I do in life, just do it on the fly. So, yeah. So, like, I'm from Texas originally. I grew up um, pretty normal household other than um, kind of mid, you know, when I was like nine or ten, my dad went to prison. Um, and so – pretty dramatic change in my life. I ended up moving from big city to rural Oklahoma and uh, was, you know, like any kind of family change, it was pretty shocking, pretty tough. I grew up in a single parent household um, and kind of had to earn everything really, to be honest with you. Had a pretty good idea that was pretty terrible at sports. So that was not going to be how I got out of town. So really tried to, uh, had a couple of good mentors in high school that kind of saw some leadership, I think, or thought I could, could maybe, accelerated that versus sports. And so I did uh, every organization do. I did Future Homemakers of America, the FFA. I was on the road all the time doing speech contests and, and trying to compete and kind of build leadership and learning just the basic fundamentals. Um, you know, some of my favorite memories from that, though, that in order to do all that, we had to pay for it. And so me and my sister, my mom would clean an office building every week for 15 bucks. Um, and we dumped that money into a piggy bank and that's how I paid. That's how my mom took me all over the, to do all these contests and try to be involved. I, 
Um, because I think my mom understood that without my dad around, I had to stay involved. Otherwise I was going to kind of find my own way. And so I've always been appreciative of that. I had a great role model too. At 36 years old, she went back to college. She was not a straight A student in high school and she went back and got her degree. And so that kind of set my path for, Hey, you're going to go to college. Um, and so kind of the critical make or break for me is I've always been someone that if you tell me I can't do something, boy, it, it does fire me up. I mean, I, I hate to say that I'm that typical guy, right. That, Hey, you got to put that chip on the shoulder to get them going, but I am. And so I had a high school guidance counselor um, tell me, hey, you just need to have some options. You know, there's this local community college and I wanted to go to college in Edmond um, and I needed a, I needed a scholarship. And I told her about the scholarship and she said, oh, well, you know, let's probably not count on that. You know, let's really try to make sure you got a backup plan. And I was like, well, there's no backup plan. I'm going and I'm getting a scholarship. And so um, I used all the skills that I prepared for in high school, like FFA. I did a lot of speech contests. So I didn't learn how to speak. Um, my ag teacher always made me tuck in my shirt and wear a belt, taught me how to prep for a contest. So to this day, if I ever have a speaking engagement, I go to a quiet place, I prepare my clothes. I have the same process since I was 16 years old of preparing to speak. Um, and so that same, believe it or not, I, I, he took us to this library. We'd always go to and get ready, get quiet, get your mind right. So I did that before I went for this interview for this scholarship. Um, and so I leaned on some of those skills. My FHA teacher helped me prepare a resume. I'd never done that before. Um, FBLA, which is a business organization, kind of taught me how to write. And uh, so I went and there were a thousand kids there, a uh, thousand young men up for the scholarship. And I like, this is it. You're going to go. So how are you going to beat these guys? And I, I feel bad for the kid. I wish I could meet him today and tell him I'm sorry. But there was a kid in front of me who was about to go in the year first. And I had this resume portfolio, which was not required, but I knew that I, I would bring it. Maybe they'd look at it. Well, they never looked at it, but I passed it around to the guys in front of me and behind me to kind of psych them out. And lo and behold, when I got in there, I was ranked number two out of a thousand guys. And so that got me out of Stratford and got me going um, and went to college, had a best six and a half years of my life uh, or so I, I thought. And, uh, you know, I think at that point too, I hadn't had a lot of direction in business. So kind of got involved with some retail sales and things kind of bounced around. And I, I tell a lot of guys too, I didn't really figure out what I wanted to do till almost in my mid thirties. And I think there's always this pressure. Hey, I got to get out of school. I got to figure it out. I got to, you know, I've got to set these benchmarks and hit them. And I didn't like, I didn't, to me, a number in my head, somebody once said, we well, got to make six figures. I didn't make that till way later. And I felt like it, you know, for a long time, kind of like a failure. Like, golly, I know I've got all this potential. I had a great start. What happened? Um, but, you know, I think life has a way of pulling the best out of us at times. And so, you know, my dad passed away and that was, he, he had told me, Hey, Josh, you really need to have your own thing. Like you're, you're wasting your time doing what you were doing at the time. It's in the car business and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I was working like 70 hours a week, couldn't see my kids. And I was just like, I got to get, I got to do something different. And so I came to kind of the decision like Jared, you were talking about earlier about when well, am I going to go real estate or loan officer? I kind of went one direction in my process and I just jumped in and, uh, so what I've been doing ever since, um, I think had I known how hard it was going to be that first year in the beginning or first couple of years, I may not have done it. But I remember sitting six months in and I still hadn't closed a loan, right? 
And this is in 2014, which is historically the, the lowest number of mortgages ever done was 2014. It's the worst year in our business. Most people don't know that, but it was the least amount of originations. And I was like, it was a struggle. And my wife's like, are you serious? Like, we haven't had a paycheck. Like, what, what are you doing? And I remember sitting there and thinking, I got to burn the ships. I'm not going back. Like, there's no way I'm going back. My wife said, yeah, you're right. You can't go back to what you were doing. And so that's when I really started grinding because um, I didn't want to go back to where I was at. And I just felt like in order to reach my potential, it was something I was going to have to do on my own. And so I, I remember loading up. This is people will laugh, but I have five kids. I have three adopt five kids. I have three adopted kids and then two of our own. And we would load up in this giant mega, we call it the mega van, right? It's like an adopted family van. It's huge. And I'd load all these kids up and we'd get all these business cards and I'd hit an ad out on Facebook. Hey, realtors doing open houses. We'll bring you something to drink. Not, hey, I want your business. Not bragging about myself. Just trying to meet them where they're at because realtors have to work every Sunday. Like that's when you're getting started. That's always been my impression. And so I'd go out and meet them and have a conversation. At that time, open houses were slow. There was none of this multiple offer like you'd be maybe the first person they'd seen all day. And so um, I found a lot of camaraderie with guys who were just starting to like they were new in their career. And we kind of started clicking. And I say guys, women, too. Um, most of my best referral partners are females. Um, and they just gave me a chance. And I ran with it hard. Like I would do anything it took to close some of those loans. Um, sometimes I got my tail kicked on the financial part of it. But I just... I knew I had to, I knew that there were, the ships are burned. There's no going back. And so we did that every Sunday. People would see my giant van with all my kids and that's what we did. And that kind of was the foundation of my business. I tell new guys when they come in, they're like, what do I do to get loans? And I'm like, man, it's super simple. Get those cards, get out on Sunday and go meet people. Cause you've got to go meet people where they're at. Like that's the most important thing I, I figured out was, Nobody's going to invite you in. You got to go to them. Um, so we kind of built that up. I did it for a year and finally had some success. And I realized that I really liked being in charge. I didn't like someone else telling me um, how to do these loans. And I felt like I could do it better. And if I couldn't, then we'd find out if I didn't know better. So I went out on my own, found my own gig and ran my own branch. And that's when I really learned how to get up from a buck kicking. Because the first year as a branch manager was, was a nightmare. <laughs> I didn't know how to budget. I didn't know how to spend money. Um, I way overspent on some stuff, wasted time on setting up my office. Uh, but I learned. And I think that was kind of the key was I didn't let those experiences go to waste. Like, I think one of the bad experiences go to waste. You need to own those experiences and use them. Um, and so that's what we did. And I met great people. And then when the opportunities hit, I remember one of my best losses who still works for me today, Seems Alberto Gamboa. And if you wait long enough to ride off, if you work hard enough to ride opportunity, well, Alberto gives me a call one day and says, hey, my manager said I should call you and said you might be willing to train me. And I was like, what? I was like, okay. And I, instead of saying no and getting mad that this other loan officer within the company had sent their person to do the work, I said, everything's an opportunity. Come on in, let's talk. And so we started talking. Next thing you know, I called the corporate office and they're like, what do you mean you're training somebody? You're not a trainer. And I said, well, he's here. He needs someone to help him. 
And I just never felt like helping somebody was the wrong thing to do. It, it's always going to work out. So I trained him and then bold and behold, they said, well, he's going to work for you now. And that was loan officer number one. And he's still with me to this day. He came with me when we transferred and he did his first year, he did 55 loans, which is phenomenal for a first year guy. He killed it. But that was just turning a, what I thought was a weird opportunity or kind of, kind of felt like I was getting screwed over by this other person, um, turn it into a positive. And I think, um, again, relationships matter, but being able to put it in the hard work with him, I think that was what impressed him. My willingness to work with him when I wasn't getting anything out of it per se, um, was a big part of it. Another one of my things I've always said too, again, you're never going to get hurt doing the right thing and helping somebody. You're going to have some kind of, whether it's, it builds your soul, builds your pride. It, it, it gets you in the right mode. And a lot of times financially. So one of the realtors that works with me today, I had a conversation with her and I was telling her I was going on this podcast. And I said, you know, why did you do business with me? And she reminded me, she had a deal that was going to bust. Um, and she calls me and says, Hey, can you, we want to move this loan over. And I, and I normally I'm like, yeah, let's take it. I need all the loans, but it was so close. I thought, you know, they need, this loan might be fine where it is. We just need to figure out what's going on. So I called the client and we figure out a way to move fees around with their current lender and they save the deal and the deal gets done. And I think, okay, well, I didn't get anything out of it, but Hey, look, we, we helped someone. Well, lo and behold, she has sent me every client she's ever had since then. And I've probably done 25 or 30 transactions. She's referred other people, we refinance those, but it all started with the basic rule of you're never going to get hurt doing the right thing and helping people is the right thing to do. Put yourself, put, put others first. And I think that that's probably the keys to most of my success. Um, I think I could talk to you a lot about what things I did wrong um, too. And again, you got to own those things, um, but don't waste them. You know, I recently transitioned from one company to another and my staff came with me, but this transition has been a lot smoother than when I transitioned last time. And I think a lot of that is I have good relationships. I trusted the right people. I trusted my instincts. Um, but I also knew the mistakes I'd already made, right? Like I knew when, what battles to fight and what things to accept, you know, when we came over, it's not exactly change is hard and it's not exactly the same way we did at the old place. And there's this temptation when we transition to, well, that's not how we did it before. And you wanted me here. So you need to adapt to that. And I remember at one point Brent, we had like a conversation and you're like, well, kind of is what it is. And just, shoot it right down the middle. This is how it's going to be. And it was kind of freeing to accept where I was at and just accept, Hey, things are different. You're going to need to be okay with this. And in the end, this is what's supposed to happen. And I think once I was able to kind of accept, Hey, we are somewhere new. And there was a reason why we left. Sometimes you got to remind yourself, there's a reason why you're making this change. You're suffering right now, but why did you make the change? And it was the best change we ever made. My crew is way happier at the new place we're at. They love what they're doing. Um, I've had them come up to me. I had one, I, one of my loan officers, I was really concerned. She's difficult. Like she gives me a hard time. Like her loans are tough. Um, she'll hold stuff. Like she has a huge pipeline. She has a lot of leverage. She knows that. And she came to me and I said, you know, one of our other partners that she works with, that says he's struggling. She's like, well, we're not going anywhere because I love this place. And this is the best thing we could have done. And I appreciate you getting us through this. 
And that kind of built some confidence. Like, like we made the right call, but change was hard. Even in this transition was easier. It, they do things differently. Right. Um, I think the other thing too, is, is just always what I've always, I try to put myself in other people's shoes. Um, not going too much in the weeds. We had situations where I, 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 one of my principles I've told Brent this is I take care of my people, no matter what, if I don't get a paycheck, but they're going to, we're going to make sure they get that check. And that situation kind of came up over the last month where compensation, the rules are a little different. We had to figure it out. Well, I made sure that guy got paid no matter what. And I wrote that check out of my own pocket because I made a promise to him that when you came here, I was going to make sure if you trust me enough to follow me, we're going to make sure that I keep my commitments. And one of those, you get paid and you get paid on time. Um, and I think he honors that by sticking with me. I know other companies have come after him and tried to poach him, but I think for him, it's a, it's a trust thing. It's that Josh always does what he says he's going to do. And uh, I'm proud of that. I am proud of the fact that we, I can keep those commitments. Um, had a boss one time, not my favorite boss, but he did tell me one time, and this is kind of relieved some stress too for managers. If you can write a check to solve your problem, you don't have a problem. Now you may not want to write that check, but if you can write the check, you don't have the problem. And sometimes we hold on to the smallest things or we, we, we struggle with the sacrifice we're going to have to make for so long that if we would just get the sacrifice over with, so many more doors are going to get open for us, but we don't want to walk through that sacrifice or that pain to go get to where we want to be. Um, and, and I've, I've had to write those checks, but yeah, that's kind of my, my journey. I think, you know, overcoming business obstacles for me has always been the willingness to walk through that door and deal with the pain up front, knowing that the reward is at the end. Um, and that, that's kind of what we do, but I above all everything else, the one thing that fixes almost everything is you work your ass off. I mean, right. Like you get out there on Sundays, you put on your nice shirt, you go to church, put on your nice shirt, go get your business cards and go meet people where they're at. And uh, that's the core of what we do. I mean, I tell everybody that um, I'll tell you, it's a couple of principles that I have on my team that I've had to really honor. And it's been painful at times. I tell my guys, I'm the head janitor or the CEO of this group, I'll be whatever you need me to be, but I take my own trash out, right? Like I clean bathrooms at my own office. Like I do things because I'm not too good to do anything. And I had someone on my team that really didn't embrace that concept, which is for us, we close loans. And I tell people, we don't make Legos. We don't make widgets. We ain't making banana bread. We close loans. And whatever that takes for us to do within reason and within legal, we're going to do that. And I had this person who really had a, the concept that when they came over to our new place, well, I have a specific job and those things are not my job and I'm not going to do things that aren't my job. And I didn't realize how much it was weighing everybody down until I made the decision and I had to have some encouragement, right? I had to lean on some mentors because it's hard to fire somebody, right? You know that it's going to affect their entire life, um, their livelihood, their kids, you know, these people. But at the end of the day, the right thing is the right thing. And the whole is worth more than the parts. And I didn't realize how good of a decision that was till afterwards, because just the air let out of the room. People were more comfortable with expressing, hey, here's the problems I'm having with these loans. Here's the issues that we need to get through. Hey, tell me how to fix it. But they were afraid to ask that person. And she had kind of blocked that communication and created it kind of created an environment where 
it was just kind of hostile to communicate. Um, and I think that that was a really important lesson I learned this last time is, is that it, the whole is more important than the parts and you've got to have continuity to be successful. Everybody's got to be on that page, which is in our case, again, we don't make Legos. We're not making banana bread. We close loans here and to close loans, you've got to work. And sometimes you got to do something that's not your job. Um, and I think that everybody understood that afterwards too. I, maybe out of fear or maybe just because they were excited because they could be a little more open. I don't know. But yeah, guys, that's kind of my, my journey to where I'm at. And uh, I've had a good run. I'm kind of excited to see what comes up. I'm in recruitment mode right now, trying to find someone. I, it's hard to find people that want it as much as you. I think I've come to realize that. And maybe that's okay, right? Like I'm kind of understanding that Maybe I don't need to hire another version of myself. I need to be open to the concept that everybody's journey is different. Um, one of my most proud accomplishments is a guy who works for me who's really nothing like me at all. Um, his name's James. James was a realtor and wasn't a very good one. Just to be honest with you, was pretty average. Um, went to another business. COVID happens and he's in a service industry, completely obliterates his business gone, destroyed. Um, and so he comes to me and I met him, believe it or not, at an open house. I took him a sonic drink and he remembered that and came to me and said, Hey, he first, he came to me to do his mortgage and we did it. And then he came back to me and I, I, at one point I'd said, Hey, if you want to do what I do, let me know. Well, he came back and said, Hey, I do want to do it. And I was like, great. I don't know what to do, but we'll figure it out together. Um, and he's my most successful loan officer to this day. He had the fastest track year over year. Um, he's doubled his growth. And I think part of that was had I been closed off to the fact that he hadn't had a lot of success prior to his other job, or had I had the fact that he is a little different than me, um, I might have not hired him and I might have not been able to have the success that we're having now. And I think that's key to my story too, because I didn't have a lot of success at the role I had before. I mean, I had my highs, but nowhere near where I am now. Um, if you'd have looked at me, you'd say that ah, he's pretty average. And I don't think I'm very average now. Um, and I don't think James is. He just got to find the right fit. And um, that's kind of been my journey so far. So I don't know right on, man. There's a lot of take takeaways there. And it doesn't just have to be in, in the world of mortgage banking or real estate. All those principles and beliefs that you talked about, Josh, apply to essentially any career path someone takes. And that, that that's really what we talk about. Jared and I talk about in breaking business barriers is whatever career path you're on, you're going on up or down, there's always going to be challenges. And, and, it, and then it, you know, I like the, I like the old phrase, if it is to be, it's up to me. And you certainly, yeah, yeah. you certainly reflect that JT, what do you have for Josh? Josh, I'm really enjoying your story here, man. Um, a, a quote that comes to mind is, uh, don't tell me what I can't do. <laughs> I don't know if you ever watched the TV show Lost, but that's a recurring theme on that show. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another thing that I thought of was a quote that I heard the other day that said, you know, most people will ask why. Uh, winners will ask what. They'll say, what do I need to do to succeed? So-and-so is making it happen. Therefore, I can, and I'm going to figure out what I need to do um, in order to do that. Um, I think with, you know, things that happened in your childhood, your dad going to prison, you know, you could have easily succumbed to a victim mentality. 
you could have said, Hey, I've got a good crutch here to lean on. And this is why, you know, I'm not making it, but you know, you made that conscious decision to prove that, you know, the American dream is still a thing. You know, you could yeah. still pull yourself up by your bootstraps and succeed, you know, even if you had, you know, difficult things in your past. Uh, I think, you know, your, your mom, you know, what a, what an awesome memory of your mom saying, Hey, we have to clean, you know, office buildings to make this happen. Um, we're going to do it. And, you know, just what an amazing life lesson, especially at such a young age for you. Um, but two questions, um, you know, knowing what you know now, would you have taken more risks early on? And uh, second thing is, is I was going to ask you if you want to explain to our listeners, if anyone doesn't know what it means to burn the ships. Um, I do, and I think Brent does, but uh, I, I like you know hearing people explain uh, what they mean by that, just in case anyone's not familiar with that terminology. Yeah, so in terms of risk, yeah, I definitely would have. Um, but I think my timing was right. Um, when I entered the mortgage business, it was in a complete transformational stage. You know, I got into business in like 14, 15. So I never knew what they, what a lot of guys would call the good old days, which was if you could fog a mirror, you can get a mortgage. Um, and so I came in a highly structured, highly regulated time. And so I think it was the right time. Like, and I maturity wise, I just wasn't there. Like I still had a lot of selfishness in my own personal life and my marriage with my kids. And I just wasn't there. My why was not there. So but I take more risk in, in, in like once I got in the mortgage business for sure. Prior to that, I just wasn't ready. And then when you talk about burning ships, somebody maybe put it another way. And I'll maybe do this description and then kind of tell you what I think. Um, so the car business for me, which is what I did after college, gave me a decent living. I didn't like it. Right. But I went back to it over and over. I try to get out and I try to be a recruiter. And then I go back and then I try to do something different and go back. And it was like an old girlfriend, right? Like keep going back to your old girlfriend. You know, it's not going to work out, but you're going to keep trying it because it works kind of. And I, for burn the ships is like when you land where you're going to be, you burn the ships so you can't go back. Or in some cases, maybe use, I think a better description is you tear the ships apart take everything you had and use it in your new career, but you can't go back because the ship's not together anymore. And I think for me, that's probably more what I did. I didn't burn the ships. I just took all the things that was in the ship, took it apart and built a new, built a new house, built a new career out of it. But burn the ships just means you're not going back. I mean, or my, don't go back to old girlfriends. There's a reason why you left them. It's time to go find that new, find your wife. For me, my wife or my career was the mortgage business. That's everything else. You know, it's funny you mentioned the, the glory days. Uh, when I got into uh, mortgage myself was in 06. And uh, Brent's heard me tell this story before, but I'll never forget on my first day, uh, basically everyone in our group went and had lunch. There's a cafeteria, it's a big office. And everyone sat around the table and talked about why it's no longer possible to succeed in the mortgage industry. Again, this was 15 years ago now. Mm -hmm. um, so here I am coming in as a newcomer and all these, you know, experienced people are saying, oh, there's no money to be made in mortgage. There's no money to be made in real estate. You know, the good old days were 2001 and uh, we're all doomed and, you know, terrible, terrible, you know, mentality to have. Uh, but I also remember at that 
you know, moment, uh, making a conscious decision to just reject that advice. I remember there were a few guys, you know, on the floor, it was a call center. There were a few guys that were doing great. And for me, I remember making that decision that, that, man, that's all I need. If I can figure out what in the world these guys are doing, then I can make it. It doesn't matter that the other, you know, 80% are already preparing their, you know, reasons as to why they're not going to succeed. Yeah, I just didn't, I didn't know any better. I didn't know any other way. And I, I kind of compared it to the mortgage business to this. And this is like an old biblical story, but you know, they want Moses had all the people wandering in the desert for a long time and none of them got to go. Only a couple guys got to go. And the ones that got to go were Joshua and Caleb. And they were bold and courageous, right? Like they didn't, there was no going back. We're going to go take this place and we're going to go be successful. And in that story, the leaders left, but they left those people behind. And they didn't listen to them. Oh, we can't go and we can't. Oh, it's so terrible. In the old days, we were so much better off. And they weren't. Um, and I, I think, too, you really got to love what you do. I question if money is the only motivation for why you're doing what you're doing. And I feel like maybe in that time, that might have been a lot of what's going on. And you're going to see some of that new industries that pop up. They get in because it's the money's good. And don't be wrong, the money's good. But I love what I do. Like, we work. When I sold cars and I sold a hundred thousand dollar Mercedes Benz, that guy's life is not dramatically different because he has a hundred thousand dollar car. But you close on a mortgage for a family. If it's a hundred fifty thousand dollars, if it's two hundred thousand, it's a hundred grand. It fundamentally alters their life. They're going to grow their family there, no matter what that family looks like. They're going to grow a family there, and they're going to grow their life. It's going to be the cornerstone of their financial well being. We know that people who do mortgages or have, or have homes. They're they're wealthier long-term, they live longer. And so I get that warm and fuzzy still on every single transaction we still do. Um, I question whether or not guys who got out of that business because they just said it was so terrible, what were what was your real, maybe you were just discouraged, but what were you really in it for? Because um, for me, it could crash tomorrow and I'm probably still cranking out mortgages. As long as they'll still take apps and still fund them, no matter how hard they are, and they're getting harder, right? Like it gets tougher every year. We're going to keep doing that because that's what we do. I'm the mortgage guy. This is what I do. I, I do home loans. I'm good at it. I let people know. It's the American dream, man. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, that dream has been around since before any one of us and hundreds of years before us and that's uh, home and family. All right, let's shift gears a little bit, Josh. Great story, man. You know, I, I made a bunch of mental notes and having known you, it's, uh, I mean, you're, you're an open book, man. You know, you, yeah. where, where, where your roots come from, your roots come from, uh, you know, and, and where you are today, but your passion shows up all the time. It just does. And do, doing business the right way, doing people the right way is fantastic. But let's, let's, uh, let's slip into a little, a uh, little different. All right, man, got to tell us something that will make our, uh, our listeners chuckle, make JT and I chuckle. What, what comes okay. to mind? Um, you know, it doesn't have to be business related. By oh no, I, I think so. I always go back when I want to laugh. I think about my kids, right? Because 
nothing is more humbling. I could be here and I'm the boss. Like I run this joint guys. I'm the boss, but when I go home, I'm the boss, but it's completely different. And the problems that I struggle with there, it's like as big a success I could be in business. I feel like a complete failure when it comes to kids and the whys do not make sense, right? Like nothing makes sense. Um, but I love it. Like that's the, that's still the challenge every day of getting up, you know, is in terms of what making you laugh. Um, they, so I have a son and I have four daughters, right? And everyone's like, oh gosh, bless your heart. But um, he's been learning to hold his own lately. But yesterday, or a couple, I mean, you know, a few months ago, I catch him and he is running for his life and he's getting faster and faster. And I, they're running around the house like, what are y'all doing? And they're trying to dress him up like a girl. <laughs> and bless his heart, he's not having any of it. And I said, bro, I said, here's the thing. Cause he's a little bitty guy. I said, you better get faster, get good with putting makeup on one of the two. Cause I can't stop him. <laughs> and so he's gotten faster. He has adapted. Um, and I love that about him. Like he's, uh, he's doing well, you know, I have three adopted children and I just, if you want to chuckle, I'm going to recommend one movie if you've ever thought about adoption and it's, uh, it's a Mark Wahlberg. I think it's called like ready made instant family. And that deal's real. Like the crazy things that adopted kids do that you wouldn't expect is a daily part of my life. And one of the things I've had to do, because when you're in the heat of the battle, man, with these kids and they're doing banana stuff, like hoarding food in the back in their yard, in the bed, under their bed, you know, what are you doing? Like, you just kind of sometimes have to sit back and just laugh and say, what a great life I have that I get to have children to do this. Like, you know, I can be part of that. Um, and sometimes when you're in the heat of it, you got to step back and look at that. But yeah, I said, I, I told him, I said, man, you better get faster, get used to makeup. He, uh, he's gotten faster. So, um, but I, that's, that's kind of my, one thing I just bring back to, I wasn't mature enough because I didn't have my why. I have my why. And my why is those five kids, right? Like we all as parents want to have, create a scenario that's better than what we grew up. And I used to think that was about money. Um, and I felt like that's what I was chasing. But what I figured out was, and this is what I love about the mortgage business, my why was being able to spend time with my kids. I could make money at what I was doing and make as much or close to as much, maybe not quite as much now, but I was doing okay. But what was missing in my life was the opportunity to be with my kids. Um, and I have that now. Like they have a present father. And that's that's everything. Because again, not having that when I was a kid, they know dad's there, always around. Um, but yeah. When you have adopted kids, go watch that movie, man. It's uh, it is very realistic. So, but well, yeah, I think, it, I think every parent probably just had a smile on their face, just as uh, both Jared and I did. You know, kids uh, provide well, nonstop laughter, sometimes uh, challenges, whatever the case might be. But we're still responsible, and at the end of the day, they uh, they'll. They'll appreciate uh, your son. Maybe you become a track athlete. Who knows? And now we have the story. You know. Yeah, he's uh, he's gonna have to do something. He's not. Uh, he's he went to the doctor. They say he's gonna be a whopping five five. So he's pretty excited about five five. I'm not sure he knows how tall five five is, but he's like, I'm gonna be five five someday. So it's perspective, I guess. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's pretty excited about five five. Uh, 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, JT, Jared, anything uh, before we wrap it up? You have anything else for Josh? Yeah. So Josh, you mentioned you have a team in the mortgage uh, business. Yeah. And um, I'd, I'd be ha happy to hear more from you just on, you know, figuring out systems and working smarter mm -hmm. instead of harder. You know, so many people in sales, uh, they just want to you know, do as many sales as they can on their own. Um, and I'd love to hear more from you on, you know, that process of, of team building and, and working out systems uh, so that you all can work, you know, smarter and not necessarily harder. Yeah. So I think that was probably one of the, what the catalyst to changing where we went to, because where we were at, uh, we had a very manual system that I designed out and it, it worked um, probably not as efficiently because it was centered I think the problem for a lot of teams and managers is if you can't step away as a manager and your system still works, then you don't have a system, right? Or if you're a business owner, but you're not, and you can't step away from the business, you don't have a business, a business owns you, has you. Um, I, I think, I think that's one of the things is that hiring the right people and being able to trust them to go do what they need to do and giving them the leeway to make mistakes, right? That's, I tell every new loan officer, you need to get in there and screw some stuff up. And I don't use that word, right? I usually need to screw some other stuff up, but I'll keep it PG. But that's how you learn, right? And so um, I have to have a hands-off approach at times and let them go flounder a little bit. And that's tough, right? Because I know how to fix it. But I can't fix everything. I can't be in every single room, in every conversation, in every loan presentation, in everything we do. And so what I really have to focus on is training them right and finding the right people and the rest of the stuff takes care of itself they come up with new stuff all the time like so a lot of the best innovations that we have as a crew come from them um you know i, I think like one of the things that we, we talk about is appraisals all the time they've streamlined my process for me like they've told me what it takes and i've enabled them to do that but that was a big struggle they had enough patience to get through it and make suggestions and we've been able to fix that problem, but you've got to be able to pull back a little bit and build a business that allows you to not be there every second of every day, because that's not really a business. Um, and I think that's probably one of the bigger, that's, that's really how you, your systems kind of almost naturally come into place. If you got to force it all the time. I think that was the other thing too, when I made that transition from the last place to here, I had to come up with changes like every three days, every four weeks, every five minutes we were having to adapt. And I think there's some ability to adapt is good, but at some point you got to shoot it right down the middle and say, this is what it is and let the system work. And that just wasn't possible where we were at. And so making that decision to move again, overcoming things in business, that's the most, probably the most important thing. Trust your people, let, give them the leeway to make mistakes. The thing, the mistake I have learned and I've learned from it lately and I've had to do a better job is give real feedback to them. Really give real feedback to my, my employees and, you know, at times correct them and, and it's not fun. You know, we have the, the term write up. I don't do write ups, but I do have conversations and email them to remind them of those conversations because that's how things are supposed to work. Um, and I've learned that um, painfully, but now I've learned it, you know, I do it on everybody, but in terms of systems, man, the system can't be based on you. It's gotta be based on, 
it really has to be based on a trust and a willingness to let people do their jobs and being able to plug and play people as you need be. I think that another most important any system has to have a back feed of employees, has to have a back feed of the next guy in line to take that position. In my role, we have a, a what I'd call like a loan assistant type role, and we're going to backfill that position, right? Like, because I know eventually he's going to move on and I'm going to need someone else. And so just always be recruiting. I, I cannot tell you enough. Had a lunch, I had lunch right before this. Guy's a realtor, but I, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, guy, he'd be a great loan officer. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. I don't know. But always be on the lookout for talent. So that's it. Well, Josh, appreciate you sharing the story, you know, from the built from the ground up, you know, and, and it, your heart is, is vast. And not only are you building a business to, you know, to help you and your family, you're helping other families along the way, you know, open the eyes to team members, you know, on, on based on your experiences and, and a collective group of folks and their experiences, experiences and, and mentoring. You know, that's where the, that's where the heart really goes in. And I, Jared and I, we've talked to a lot of leaders, entrepreneurs in this bit in, uh, on breaking business barriers, man, I would say that's probably 100% the common thread, Jared, of every single person that we've had on here over a hundred episodes, you know, is yes, they like growth. Growth is healthy, but they're doing it not to be self-centered. They're doing it to help others see bigger things, you know, and that, and that's cool. You know, it's just, that's cool. Makes it a lot more fun. It sure, it sure, it sure does. And there's no doubt you have passion about being a, a great leader, great coach, uh, helping people experience the, uh, the American dream of home ownership. Well, with that, this is Brent Duhame, man, my co-pilot, co-host Jared Ty. On this episode of Breaking Business Barriers, Josh DeBlaze was our was our guest. We'll make sure that we get that out there uh, where you can find Josh. And if you ever have any questions, he'll answer your phone. You get yeah. a phone call, and, and if you can't catch him, he'll he'll return your message for sure. No doubt about it. And everyone knows why I'm doing the type of business that I'm doing, especially today, because technology-wise today, I was, uh, I was at a zero on a scale of uh, – zero to 10. So I apologize for those things, including my lightning, my lighting, but Hey folks, it's onward and upward here. I'm breaking business barriers. Josh, thank you, partner. Good Thanks time. guys. Thanks, guys. Bye.